This episode of the Derek Diamond Experience is brought to you by Gamefly. Sign up for a free premium 30-day trial at GameflyOffer.com slash NerdCave. One game out, shipped directly to you. No contracts, and you can cancel anytime. Gamefly has over 8,000 new releases for PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo 3DS, and more. Rent as many as you want and get them delivered right to your mailbox. And to get your free trial, just go to GameflyOffer.com slash NerdCave. Again, that's GameflyOffer.com slash NerdCave for your free 30-day trial. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome to episode 150 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing the Christopher Nolan Roundtable with myself, Adam Waldron, and Joey Trincali. We did this roundtable a couple of days after seeing his newest film, Dunkirk. So we talk quite a bit about it, but we also talk about the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, Memento, Prestige. So many great movies that Christopher Nolan's done. He's one of my favorite directors that's out there right now. And also coming up after the roundtable, I'll be giving a little bit of a State of the Union of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, so uh, you'll definitely want to stick around for it. But without further ado, here is the Christopher Nolan Roundtable with myself, Adam, and Joey. (laughs) (laughs) I am sitting here with my two special guests for another fantastic roundtable. We are talking... Christopher Nolan movies to my, I guess, 10 o'clock, is that how they say it, is is Joey Trincali. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast, sir. It really has been, but it's nice to be back. And to my 1 or 2 o'clock is, what is this, 17, 18? (laughs) I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. But what I do know is that this is the second time that me and Joey are going solo with you, Diamond, head-to-head. Talking movies. Talking movies. And I think we all remember what happened last with time. bones to pick. <laughs> <laughs> Grudges are still held from that day from like three years ago. What I love about Christopher Nolan is he doesn't let Gwen Stacy fall to her death in an <laughs> elevator shaft. It was an adaptation of a story. Doesn't mean it was a good story. It's one of the most <laughs> iconic stories in comic book history. Doesn't mean it's a good <laughs> story. <laughs> like I said, we're here to talk Christopher Nolan movies. We actually just saw Dunkirk yesterday. So what did you guys think of it? Well, I I mean, I just was... I was excited, so I knew that I was going to like it going in. Um I mean, it's, it was just nerve-wracking. It was scary. It was intense. It was also I've beautiful. I've never seen someone just, like, squirm in their seat as much as you were right <laughs> next to me. It was squirmy. Like, you were, looked like you were just couldn't, you like you had a back spasm, and you just couldn't quite find the right comfortable place. <laughs> I wasn't comfortable. But that's, like, that was what was so awesome about it, is that you know the whole point is it's supposed to be the ability to put you into like the mindset and the bodies of these soldiers and 
I don't know. I just it's so to me it's really hard to compare because I'm sure we're gonna kind of try to do that at some point to compare this to his other movies because it is almost apples to oranges and the differences of it. But I I just thought the way that it was shot and the scene. I mean, it's just beautiful and scary all at the same time. Yeah, you know, I think looking at looking at the film. And it really, I think it's all about the experience. There's, there's a couple things that I that watching it. And spoiler, alert, spoiler, alert, we're just gonna go ahead and go ahead and say that. Go see the film. Spoiler alert! It's historic. Yeah, it's, it's historic. You should probably just go on Wikipedia and get caught up. You can read what happened. Yeah, it was it was it was June 1940 or whatever year it was. I think it was 1940, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a couple things that I think he did unbelievably well in that movie and i think the first thing is something that i i think is actually experimental is that the amount of dialogue in that film was i mean minor there was hardly any talking you know but it like almost put you in the story it was almost like you were in a first person kind of experience on that beach the visuals like expanded your your thoughts on it and you like like we were talking like it, i swear at one point in time like i could just smell the sea you know when all the foams rolling yeah, the up foam, on the beach yeah. and you're the just like looked great you're just like oh my god and it's just it's bleak it looks just it looks terrible which is i think the point you know that's the point is that you look at there and you're like here are these guys you're just absolutely just beaten and all they want to do is get home and home is right across the channel well i think there was if you wanted to take a negative look at it you'd say well the characterization and the lack of like depth for most of the characters but there i mean that's half the point is that every one of those you know kids essentially is anonymous yeah they're just a soldier right and their story is anonymous and i mean we joked about it afterwards i think i knew two characters names yeah literally george and peter i think and they weren't even soldiers yeah right yeah which makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. even more so. So it's like, in that regard, I think it does a job well. I think that, even though I don't remember what Mark Rylance's name was, I did think he had a really, in terms of like the lack of characterization, maybe, and especially with like young soldiers that you don't know who these kids are and all that kind of stuff, I thought his character and his role in the story was super important to, to keep everything together and to have us have an understanding of what's going on in the civilian side of things and all that one thing i thought dunkirk did that was actually pretty unique compared to other war movies it was a big event but it had a very small intimate feel because it really only took place like on a beach and in the ocean yeah and that was really about it you didn't really know any of the characters i mean to me the bravest person in that entire movie was the old man who took you yeah. know, his son and uh, George, who really didn't know what he was doing, Mm-mm. out into a war zone. Yeah. yeah. Rest in Spo- peace, George. Spo- yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Spoiler. Rest in peace. Well, we, we, gave, we gave a spoiler warning. <laughs> <R. I. P. laughs> yeah. We gave a spoiler warning, so it's all good. The visuals, everything felt bleak and like there was no hope whatsoever. From the action to the mannerisms, to the music. And I was telling Sarah this after we left the movie yesterday. Yeah, there was very little dialogue, but it didn't really need it Mm-mm. because you had an awesome score 
by the great Hans Zimmer. I'm sure we'll we'll, 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 we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, his instrument of choice for this movie was a stopwatch. <laughs> Which what we figured out today was actually a sample of that was from uh, Christopher Nolan. A watch Christopher Nolan had that had a very distinctive like ticking sound. That's he like recorded it and sent it to Hans and was like, "Let's go. We're building off of this." <laughs> But it, it helped with the feel of the movie because you felt like the whole thing was a race against time. Oh, and yeah. You, and you were constantly uncomfortable. You were always being chased, always having this sense of urgency. You felt that from the time the movie started until the time the movie ended. I think there was, there was a couple really, really great aspects of the film. The first, not once, or at least till the very, very end, do you see any German soldiers. Yeah. And I think that adds to that kind of suspense where when you heard the bullet go through the, the ship, you're like, God, where is that coming from? But your characters don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. You know, it's always kind of like this anonymous that just, bam, all and of a sudden. Notice too, at the, be- at the beginning of it, when they you have that very brief bit of uh, written word on the screen to kind of give you just the yeah. tiniest bit, it says the enemy. It doesn't say German soldiers. It doesn't say yeah. Nazi, whatever. It says the enemy. And you have to think about it in terms of like this war feeling yeah. of it that it was just these people are shooting at us. They're the enemy, and we don't know who they are or where they're coming from or anything like that. Yeah, and then there's a there's a sense of what I thought that was done brilliant was, A, first of all, that the most of the violence was implied violence. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was great. And I mean, it, it reflects in its PG-13 rating, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's not the famous D-Day scene from Saving Private Ryan or, you know, some of the ones that we, you know, that are, are very, very ultra-realistic and stuff like that. A lot of the violence was, was, was implied. Sinking ship, you hear just people beating on the, on yeah. the walls of it and stuff like that. Um, but in where there's like war epics like a saving private Ryan, you know, or like the longest day, you know, where it's, it's oh da, 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 here we're going, we're going, we're going. Yay. You know, <laughs> heroes. This was like the exact opposite. It was despair. It was a feeling of no hope. It was even, I think, and I, I thought it was a great moment when at the end, sorry, spoiler alert. At the end, when they get back on the train, and Harry Styles' character, who I don't know his name, because we never it was Harry Styles. Yes, yeah, Harry sure Styles', Styles <laughs> character. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to look out the window because he was ashamed that they had to retreat. You know, and they basically they lost the first, you know, yeah. the first wave, and you know they lost, you know, mainland Europe, and he was he was ashamed. He didn't want to look out the window when the guy was actually trying to celebrate them actually making it home because it could have been. A lot worse. So, like, you you got the sense of this, almost just this like despair and all that. That's that wasn't this touting of oh, what a you know magnificent. The only know, real hope you and, see is when the civilians all show yeah. up and the soldiers start cheering. Yeah, that is it. Yeah, and, and I think that that captures the the moment more so than like a you know very one sided heroic. There yeah. wasn't much. Heroism. I mean, no. uh, besides from the civilian, we kind of talked about that afterwards last night. Yeah, I think they. I think that to me, it just comes down to like the beauty, <laughs> the beauty of the cinematography uh, throughout. Just that I think is what's gonna stay with me. The first ten minutes of the movie is 
perfection. I mean, yeah. it's just perfect. The way it starts, and similar to what you were saying, Adam, about how you can't you can't see who's shooting at them. You have no idea where it's coming from. He, he's at one point getting shot by French, or they're getting shot at by French soldiers, and you don't really even know that. Yeah. And, you know, I, that whole like first ten minutes before they get the one body onto the ship that's trying to leave. That yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I, and and if you have, I mean, it reminds me of other Christopher Nolan movies in that he gets you right away and you're in it and you. In this case, he just—I don't think he lets off the gas the whole time, and it's just no. Intense. I think he he brings you down on the beach to start with. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get out of the town because it starts in the town. I think that was a great place to start. You know, almost on the front line type thing, and then you're in you're on the beach, and then it's that slow strangling of them slowly coming from where you were started in the town, now to on the beach. Now there are, uh, there's a perimeter. They're getting bombed. There's torpedoes. Like, you know, it's just, it's that slow, like, kind of noose that's tightening around them and that I think propels the the sense of, um, you know, sense of drama, really, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and even that shot when you see the beach for the first time and you see those lines of soldiers is just so, so good. Whoever the director of photography was for that movie did an yeah. amazing job. Well, and I, th- I think th- one of the coolest parts of it is by the time you got done with the movie, you were no different than one of those soldiers when you heard the like the low hum of uh, that German oh, yeah. fighter, mm-hmm. and you're just like, "Shit, here we go again!" <laughs> <Yeah>. God, <laughs> and, and you know, and they all sit there and they're all just kind of like, for a second, they're just like, "Oh God, no, that's not it, that's not it," and then they all just start kind of looking up. And it's like, "Nope, here comes another, you know, here comes another raid and another run, yep. you know," and they're all diving and you know, bombs are dropped and all that stuff. It's like by the by the end of it, you're right there with them. You're like you hear just off screen just a little bit and you're like ah, No God, another one <laughs> you know. Where's the Air Force? Did you guys have a particular part of it that you liked in terms of they set it up at the beginning of the the mole, the air, the sea. Mm. Was there I mean for you guys, were there a certain aspect of it of those three that you liked more than Others or I like the point of view from the civilians mm-hmm. because yeah. they're basically to use a water term a fish out of water because they're being sent to do really they're doing something they don't have to do they're risking their lives for the greater good to help out others they're helping out basically their country and putting themselves in harm's way yeah I just thought that was really really cool. And those the three civilians that were on that boat, those were my favorite characters of the whole movie. I I thought I thought in the air with, yeah. with Tom Hardy and company, mm-hmm. like being in that cockpit, like yeah. you never left the cockpit. You know, if you think about it, the you see him. End. Yeah, you see him out of the cockpit once. At the yeah, very end of the movie. at the very end, without his little yeah mouth thing. Once again, Bane style. I was yeah. actually I was like, oh, <laughs> this is Hardy. the second Tom yeah. Hardy Chris Nolan movie where he wears a mask. <laughs> Yeah, um, but you know you're you're in the cockpit. I don't think you ever really leave the cockpit, you know. And he's sitting there. He's writing down his fuel gauge, like you know the whole thing. And here he has to do is make these decisions up there whether to protect these boats. And I, I mean, it's got to be an impossible. The whole thing was just impossible, you know, situation. And I, I think that was one of the most beautifully done done things. Is is the air? It yeah. looked all very realistic. I'm mm-hmm. assuming they shot it. In the air. I mean, every you know? time I try to think about picking one, as I as I 
present the question to you guys. It's really hard for me to because the civilians, like I said, I don't think that the movie works nearly as well if Mark Rylance isn't as yeah interesting and charismatic as he is as the civilian weekend boater or whatever Cillian Murphy calls him. And then, but at the same time, the moments that are the most mm, cringeworthy where you're freaking out and I can't sit in my seat next to Adam is the mole and the, the soldiers that you're focused on. And when they're stuck on that boat and it's can't get off the sand and there's bullets coming in and they're telling them to go press their hand up so that the water doesn't, I mean, that is just, that was incredible. And then I'm totally in agreement that the air is awesome. Yeah. And when you see Tom Hardy, I mean, seriously, when Tom Hardy does a little thing where he just writes the numbers of his, the, his gauge, cause it's broken on his plane was like, just so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but for some reason, chalking up your plane, I was like, that is badass. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And he's just so nonchalant. He's like, all right, 15 gallons. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of director pho- photography and cinematography, the last shot of him with the uh, burning plane. Oh, the only God. time you see German troops. Uh, and yeah. Th- and and, and then they keep him kind of in and a They keep him out of focus. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was so cool. That was just a tremendous. I mean, it just can't be overstated how pretty it was in the yeah. most like dystopic way <laughs> possible, you know? The only thing I regret is that we didn't have a theater here to play it in seventy millimeter. I th- I'm I'm gonna have to make the the, the trek. I, they're Saturday. they're playing it in New Orleans. Oh, wait, that's I, not I'm a bad place to go. To I mean. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could do worse. Do, wait, I, I don't know. I don't want to forget to bring this up. This is my only. I don't even think it's a qualm. I, it's more of a question. When something when we went into it thinking, okay, there's not going to be a twist. This is a historical event. Yeah. Nothing can be. No, we're not going to wake up in the eye of uh, pterodactyl from you know the three thousands or something like that. You know that's not going to happen. We're not going to be left wondering what the ending was, right? But his, but the twist, I guess, because Christopher Nolan has to have something. Is this kind of the timelines are different in the way that he shows it is not linear? That I mean, did you feel like that? Does that add to it, or was that? distracting to I went back and forth like I liked it because it kept everybody's character because otherwise if it was super linear it, we wouldn't see certain people yeah, yeah. At it would times. jump it would jump back and fill in the gap right a little bit but it was also to me maybe just the slightest slight bit of a distraction I'm like mm, Christopher Nolan He's got to do something well, weird. You know, and he did, Cillian he did, Murphy telling he did that him to get in, off the boats. And, yeah, you know. he did that in what? The Prestige was that mm-hmm. way. Where yeah. it jumped. And mm-hmm. you, you had to try and really pay attention to make sure you knew what was present, what was past, and what was like right. coming. Yeah. You know? And at first I was like, <laughs> at first I was just uh, thinking to myself, mm, they really did not do a good job shooting on the same day because in one scene it looks like it's nighttime, nighttime. <laughs> the yeah. other scene it looks like it's daytime, <laughs> and it wasn't until I, I was like, oh. Yeah, okay, you kind of put it all, because yeah. I was doing the same thing, I'm like, it's daytime. Right. It only takes these guys an hour. To I know. I was like, that lets me in weird guys. spots. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I I go back and forth. I think because of the way, I still think it worked, but because it's Christopher Nolan and because we know he likes to have a twist and because he has to have his little. Yeah, maybe that's the only reason why it's kind of distracting because then I'm in the movie thinking about how he's doing it. Yeah, I don't know if I would have minded it if it was, almost if it was like somebody else making this movie. Like uh, Michael is Bay. That weird. 
Not Michael <laughs> Bay. <laughs> no, definitely not Michael Bay. No, I actually liked it because, like you were saying, it kind of filled in the gaps. Like you see, you know, the plane crashes, but then you see it from the civilian's point mm-hmm. of view. Like, oh, here's this plane crash, and we got to go try and save this guy. So it was cool seeing kind of the same events, but from different perspectives, because right. it really kind of adds layers to to set events. So I, I thought it was fine. It's definitely, you know, it. I was with you. I got confused a little bit, but I mean, it's a Christopher Nolan film. We get confused somewhere along right. the lines. I yeah. can't make it through a full one with not being confused. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I I think really it just it all drew drew back to just individuals and bringing you into that individual's moment. Like I still th- remember the the first guy, the first pilot. I I can once again, no clue what his name is, and he had to make the de- the decision either to like jump out of his plane with his parachute. Or just ditch. And it's like, you kind of see him and you're like, he's trying to figure, uh, you know, what? It's just water down there. You know, should I stay with my plane? Should I not? It, and well, even, even Tom Hardy had that same kind of yeah. like, uh, what Well, when the I first guy here? crashed and Tom Hardy sees him, you know, with his hand, you're like, okay, he's fine. Yeah. Right? Right. Then it turns out that he's not. No, he's can't trying get to get his out. canopy open. Yeah. So that, and that is cool. I mean, that's something that you, that's something you don't get. I mean, I, I think that the thinking back to about like the idea of characterization and the runtime of it is I don't know if I could have I don't know if it would have been better if it was longer, but there were certain I don't know if I could have handled it physically, but like <laughs> I would have been fine to spend more time with the civilian boaters yeah. and specifically the relationship with the Cillian Murphy character. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was I thought I would have loved to have seen a little more from him. I would have been fine to see that. more from. Uh, What's it called? Kenneth Branagh's character too, the captain guy that's the yeah. Navy captain or the, whatever the he was. Admiral on the mole. Admiral, yeah. yeah. You know me. I don't really know those terms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the guy with the, the turtleneck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like 80% of the characters. The guy in the like, jacket. Yeah. <laughs> I, so that's my, that would maybe be my only other small qualm. And that's because I, I kind of liked what they were, but yeah. I, I would have been fine to spend more time with them in that way. Was it and and you know what I'd be interested to see somebody who might have been British, you know, because like I did not know about Dunkirk until I yep. saw the, the the first teaser in front of what was it last year? Oh, what was that? Yeah, there's I don't know, and I was and like it was Dunkirk. Awesome. I was like, what's Dunkirk? And I had to Google it, but then looking at a couple interviews. And it seemed to be like a historic well, it's so, celebrate. It's so typical American that it's the, before yeah. we enter the war, so we're like, whatever, <laughs> yeah, like, whatever, you know. Uh, but, you know, it's such a, you know, it was the Dunkirk spirit. And, and that's the story that was told. And it was this fantastic rescue and all this stuff. Uh, you know, it, it was interesting to, to would, would be look at it from, you know, a different perspective along that lines. But it was so good. It just uh, it was. I don't know. I guess maybe this is something we could save, but I don't know where I put it in the Christopher Nolan canon yet. Well, but yeah, it's, I guess, we'll, we'll, it's uh, I guess that's a good segue, if yeah. you will. It's yeah, high. Because c- uh, we've got a little list here of mm, Nolan movies we can go through. We're going to try to do all the scores by mouth. <laughs> 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 yeah, a lot of them are just going to be... <laughs> and, uh, Memento, released in the year 2000. Have you... Both you guys see Memento? Watched it in film class. Really? Yep. That was one of our movies we watched in film class. I actually watched a, it twice in film class. Very good I choice by your instructor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our, 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 our instructor was from the uh, 
USC and UCLA film schools. So, um, older gentleman. Actually, fun fact: his class sat in on the first showing of Doctor No to analyze the film. Really, as part of his. Yeah, he's an older huh. guy. Yeah, he's an older guy. That's so. awesome. That is so awesome. Uh, Memento. I actually didn't see that movie until a couple of years ago. Like it, re- it was released in two thousand. So it's, I think it was his first like kind of major success that really got his name known. But I didn't really. The first Nolan movie I actually saw was Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. I I didn't see um, Memento or I mean I didn't see Insomnia until yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I saw Memento. Last week, thank you, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it had a pretty good cast, and this is kind of a, a common thing among Nolan movies that we'll get into. Uh, Guy Pierce was the main character. Mm-hmm. It had Carrie Ann Moss from the Matrix trilogy. Uh, let's see, or some other ones. I, had, I have no idea how to say this guy's name, but Joe Pantoliano. Yeah, who played Joe Pantoliano, just being yeah. the, the classic like. A hole, yeah, dirty cop, kind of. Yeah, he, he was, was, he was his, very like, good buddy, at that, right? Like yeah. the guy that was helping him. That, yeah, obviously he ends up. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert! So, yeah, <laughs> not really. To be fair, it's the first five seconds of the movie. I mean, he gets murdered pretty quick, and it kind of introduced Nolan's like non-linear storytelling, oh, yeah. and of course the Nolan twists that we're all that we all know him for. Um, Memento, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember, I remember liking it. It's one of those movies that you can't be doing anything else. Like you no. can't be, you gotta be paying attention. Yeah. You can't be like on your phone or on your laptop watching it. You've got to just shut everything off and you've got to focus on it. Well, someone who has just recently watched it and coming from it or coming to it from a, I've seen his bigger stuff first. It was very cool in a unique way to see not it does kind of feel like a first album yeah. you know what i mean like a band you really love that turns great and then you you discover their first album later later in life and you're just, it's so small in scope in a way but so perfectly done and the twist is so well earned and intriguing and interesting and again i think he does a good job i mean these are kind of his characters his characters are these psychologically um not all there necessarily main characters all of the men pretty much but you feel like guy pierce in that movie or leonard is the main character's name you feel like him because the whole time you you have no idea what's going on yeah you're piecing it together as yeah he really is Mm -hmm. Recalling, but the the funny thing is, you're only getting his version of it, and that's, right. and all, that's obviously the, yeah. leads up to the twist. Is that this whole time he's been feeding you, really his perception of everything. So once you learn actually what's going on, right? The unreliable narrator is something yes. that he has employed in the past, and it. I mean, to me, I just I I really liked it. I I would put it up there with yeah, my favorites. Of it's his. one of those if you've never seen it. Go see it because it's just such a wild movie in its structure, in its idea of just the the plot. Like I don't know how you sit there and you're like, oh, I'm right. Give my main character amnesia, you yeah. know, short term amnesia, and we're gonna see what happens. You know, he's I gonna be obsessed, I, and he's gonna have amnesia. So we're gonna see what happens. I don't think you can watch it and then digest it because I had to go read like 15 articles afterwards about it. But I don't think you can leave it and not 
respect him as a, a genius in that way. As I, a storyteller. I just don't think you can. I think it's really, really perfectly well done well, storytelling. And, and that's why we, you know, part of why we studied the film in school was to show that, hey, everything doesn't have to be, you know, this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can be different as long as you do it in a creative way and yeah. you know you you keep certain things in line um but you don't always have to make a beginning middle end it can be all over the place as long as the themes stay you know you don't have to go from point a to b to c to d sometimes right. you can go to d then to b then go back to d then c but it still makes sense yeah and if you want to if you want to poke holes at some of his later movies for <clears throat> <laughs> for maybe a um, misstep in terms of their ability to pull the twist off perfectly and have things hit at the right beats and all that. I'm not even, and I'm being serious. I'm not even talking about the movie that we'll talk about later, Adam. Um, I'm talking about anything. I mean, I think you could say. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I think you could say that. Paul. But... <laughs> Paul, let me tell you something. I think that with this one. Everything is earned. Everything is like twist wise and all that sets up and is really perfect. Yeah. And and it's a tight like two hour movie, which yeah. a lot of his other ones kind of you know get a little longer. So in that way, it's very pure. I think in the Christopher Nolan canon. Yeah, I would agree with that. Would uh, Crimson Tide fans say that Christopher Nolan's the Nick Saban of filmmaking? <laughs> I think right now he is. I don't even understand that analogy. <laughs> you don't have to. He said yeah. Crimson Tide and he said Nick Saban. Yeah. Um, Already you got 4,000 views on this <laughs> podcast just because he said Roll Tide. You're uh, welcome. Shout out to Tanner Tucker if you're yeah. listening. Uh, Insomnia. Both of you guys said you have not seen that. Yes, right? no, I, I, uh, Insomnia <laughs> sounded scary, so I stayed away from it. I'm not going to lie. Funny I don't do horror movies. Funny story, and I was telling Adam this today. So we went and saw Dunkirk. So I'm like, well... Since we're not going to record till tomorrow, I'll watch another Nolan movie. So we find Insomnia. It's actually a pretty good movie. I don't think it's as good as Memento, but the story basically is Al Pacino plays this, you know, not famous detective, but known like in the law circles being very good. Um, he goes to Alaska to help solve this murder case of a high school girl who was murdered. And because of the time of year it is in Alaska, it's never nighttime. Even though it'll be like 10 p.m., it's still daylight. Right, right, right. So he can't get any sleep. So that starts to affect his judgment, and uh, certain things happen along the way that I will (laughs) not spoil. I'll just say he accidentally does some things that he should not that are of pretty big consequence. And it has a pretty good performance by the late, great Robin Williams. Mm. I'll just say he's not the happy-go-lucky genie. From right. Aladdin, which he did that well too, yeah. and one hour photo, very good movie. Uh, but no, it, it's it's pretty good. But uh, the funny story is, we were watching it, and after the movie was over, I couldn't go to sleep. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, I, I will one up you. The other day, I was rewatching in uh, anticipation of this roundtable. Uh, Inception, fell asleep. Don't know if I'm still in a dream though. <laughs> Are you dreaming as now? He brings, as he brings out his top and spins it on the I table. I have no idea. <laughs> 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 uh, 
All right, so next, uh, we'll go through the whole trilogy so it's not just to bounce around, but after that was Batman Begins. came out in 2005, <laughs> like 12 wild. years ago. It's crazy. 15. And then uh, The Dark Knight in 2008 and Dark Knight Rises in 2012. Now, this was... The soreness of Batman and Robin was still in everybody's mind. So when Batman finally made it back to the big screen, you know, nobody really knew what to expect. I remember seeing the previews on TV and I was like, okay, this isn't this isn't Joel Schumacher Batman, thank <laughs> right. God. And, and I saw what I thought at that point was easily the best Batman movie that had ever been done. Of course, then he one-ups it with The Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises was pretty good. I, I would say it's my least favorite of that trilogy, but I think Heath I Ledger's death had a big impact on that. There's a lot that marred that movie, you know, if, if we want to get to it. There, there was a lot that Dark Knight Rises had to try to overcome. But That's hard, yeah. I remember Batman Begins coming out because I did not know that it was coming out until my brother and his friend came home and was like, hey, do you want to go to the midnight showing of Batman? And I'm like... I remember the last time I went to a Batman movie and I was a little kid and I got scared. And I was like, no, I don't want to go. And he's like, come on, you're going you're, you're gonna to go. I was like, fine, I'll go. And so I went and I remember really, really enjoying it, you know? And I think that would be my first Christopher Nolan movie I had ever seen. Um, and yeah, I remember getting to the end of it and being like, yeah, that was a really good. It's still one of my favorite Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel know. like Batman Begins doesn't get a lot of credit no, just because of how good the Dark Knight was. Everybody brings that up, but it had to be set up in some way. Yeah, and it was with it was. Batman and, Begins. And I mean, I, uh, you know, you you get the whole the whole thing was just really built kind of cool. You got to see the beginning of Batman. I think that's something that you really didn't ever. No. You got a little bit of it in the original. You got you, you always got, like a, got the initial story. Yeah, you didn't with, get, uh, with the parents being, being murdered, murdered, but you right. never saw his training. Yeah, with his the, training with and all the that league. stuff. And you know, Michael Caine as Alfred was awesome. Yes. Well, you I think know. it's good too because, and if, especially because you get plenty of it to finish out the trilogy, but you get him as not really Batman. Like it's not really a Batman movie until the final like thirty minutes, right? I mean, yeah. that it's and that's part of what I think. We liked about it, and I remind me real quick too. How long between Batman Begins and Dark Knight? It was like a three, weird three amount years? of times, right? As in, like when the films were made. Yeah, or yeah. Sorry, story? sorry. Literal films made. Oh, um, it was three years. Three years. Batman three years. Begins came out in 05. Dark Knight was two thousand eight. And something else came in between it. Uh, I know we were going. Yeah, uh, the and, Prestige and the Prestige. Came, okay, so. I think that was what was interesting too about this trilogy is it because now we're we're getting to this place we're so used to either every year you get something new or or Star Wars is you know right now it's every two years but you get something in between it was almost it had the benefit the Dark Knight that is had the benefit of having some backstory so you didn't have to watch young Bruce Wayne see his parents die again like oh my god I don't I know we know but. It was almost set off enough from Batman Begins that it felt like a standalone, and it felt completely on its. Own. I mean, I wonder too. I th- like, I think we all love the Batman trilogy, but if it was almost just the Dark Knight, would we be like, okay, automatically this is like the highlight and pinnacle of superhero yeah. movie making too? Yeah. Well, and and going on to the Dark Knight, 
one of the things that made the Dark Knight so I, I think they did it right. They did not throw down the Joker card on the first because we know. Uh-huh. I mean, there's no kind of used a pun there. Oh, oh yeah, I did. Hey, hey, hey nice pun attended. <laughs> um, you know, I I think there's no better relationship in the comic book world than the Joker and the Batman. I just I can't think of any other relationship that would come close to it. That's like. Peter Parker, Gwen Stacy. Oh, that's tough for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we like Let's to call. Strike one. That's what we like to call a callback. <laughs> strike Ding. one, Trincali. We'll just wait till we get to that interstellar one. Um, but you, you know, and they decided, you know what? Let's focus more on not so much that, but let's focus on building Batman, building Batman as a character, and everything. And they did that, and then we got the payoff, right? Which was three years later, after waiting three years. Like you said, you don't do that very often now. You know, it's all about instant reward with these type of things. Uh, three years later, you get this unbelievable performance by Heath Ledger, which is once again, I think, just canonized which by his people passing. ripped. Sure. They ripped Warner Brothers when they cast Heath Ledger because this was oh, yeah. af- this was after Brokeback Mountain. Oh yeah, so everybody was like, "Oh, you can't." Yeah, Brokeback Mountain. You have, he has his Knight's yeah, Tale. Knight's Tale. He play, yeah. yeah, he plays what was like, the, the beautiful What was knight. the rom-com he did? Uh, ten, ten Things? N- no. Yeah. Ten no, Things wait, I Hate About Ten you? Things I Hate About You? Uh-huh. Yes, I think that's the one. Yeah, I'm not really I sure. I can't remember. That's it. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. He was and, great in that. And <laughs> <laughs> loved him in it. Loved him. Uh, loved him in Knight's Tale. Uh, yeah, but you get this unbelievable performance where, I, I mean, the whole entire time, you, I, it was not Heath Ledger to me. Yeah, you know, it was not Heath Ledger. I also think Dark Knight, as much as in thinking about it in um, in chronological order too, including Prestige before it, even though Prestige had some great like cinematography moments, this was I feel like the birth of Christopher Nolan's wonderful set pieces and some of the shots that we get. And yeah. to me, my fate if we're going. Not necessarily the favorite movie, but favorite scene of a Christopher Nolan movie. I I think I still come back, and I almost might put this the the beginning of Dunkirk in there because I just was blown away by that. But the opening scene in The Dark Knight is still one of the best ten minutes in or whatever IMAX. it is. Yeah. It's you know? just, I mean. <laughs> it's just awesome. It's just yeah. it was so perfectly shot and so cool and you just are immediately grabbed and you're in this world and you know what the world is and in that way you know i think this is when he because then he has and there's some cool stuff in dark knight rises too and you have inception obviously interstellar and whatever but to me that's kind of the start of not only see an interesting director in like the story matter that he picks and the way that he brings it to you but he also can direct the hell out of an action sequence yeah and there was some really cool action sequences in dark knight I think the thing with The Dark Knight and why it's, when it comes to just superhero or comic book movies in general, I think one of the reasons why it's at the top is that it transcends its genre. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. more than just a movie based on a comic book character. It has elements of, you know, a crime drama. It has elements of suspense. And I say the same thing about Logan. I was came out say, earlier I this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are two movies that are more than its genre, and I think that's why it's so well received. And plus, with the Dark Knight, I felt like that was the first Nolan epic. 
Yeah. Batman Begins still had kind of an intimate feel it to did. it, and it the did. Prestige it did. It did as well in good ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then with the Dark Knight, you have these you know cool wide shots of Batman on top of a building, and then he just jumps off and glides. You know, into now another I go building. back and watch it. Yeah, <laughs> no lie, I had the special edition Batman Begins, and I I used to sit there all the time and watch the special features and how they built like the Narrows. Like they built it in a huge warehouse, you know, and they they built the tr- and everything was very practical. It wasn't CGI, and you got that out of it. And then it just went into the Dark Knight, and obviously, I think Heath Ledger captured the Joker in a way that was that had never been done before. Yeah. You know, even in the cartoons to Jack Nicholson to even the the Adam West Batman, like he captured a different Joker, mm-hmm. and. To be perfectly honest, I don't think we'll ever see any a performance like that, and it's just so incredibly unfortunate because my biggest qualm with The Dark Knight was always I felt like the end kind of let me down a little bit. Yeah, but you could tell that the, the end, last half hour is a little yeah. You could tell that the end iffy. was meant there was going to be something else. And it was going to carry we over to the third. movie. Yeah, it was going to carry over to the third movie, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't. You know, and which it was circumstances beyond anybody's yeah, control. You know, and it, that was the very sad thing but if any you know i think that really then just cemented that movie as you know what if we're gonna look at a premiere comic book movie or how you do it right this is how you do it right you know like this is what you said transcends your genre captain america is never going to do that in my well i mean but it could it could i mean not to get off on a tangent of what superhero movies can be but i think we saw it with logan we saw it with but i think i think there. <clears throat> i just think we have to accept that we're in a world now where everything's got to be connected everything has to be connected which can be unfortunate but if like if this is how we if if superhero movies are how you're going to be able to get out some of the like thematic ideas that you want to see then you have to be willing to make your old western through Logan, you have yeah. to be able to make maybe your kind of crime drama but, through, y- yeah, and, and, and that's just what we have to do. As you know, we have to hope not we. I mean, I'd like to, but <laughs> that's what you hope to. Shooting? You hope to see <laughs> that people take chances and people be interesting, like the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight trilogy is. Yeah, see, I just don't see that possibility. I I, I don't, and with how the 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 comic book universes are going and how they all have to be almost in a way episodic i don't think it's allowing like logan was not episodic in any way you it really, really it, it has no, very little connection to the old movies besides just having similar characters and they don't want to talk about it there were one or yeah. two references to some of the old movies yeah. but it wasn't really anything to where like you had to see the old mm. X-Men trilogy or no, even it, the it, newer ones that came and out. And there's some there's some when you when when you do a movie that can just support itself on its own almost kind of like a, another great superhero movie that I would throw up there would be Iron Man. Iron Man kind of supported itself. It didn't need to be an installment, you know. Yeah, well, it, it it supported an entire universe. Yeah, that's yeah. How it, good it, it did. Was. <laughs> yeah, like like that's how good it was, right. but it, but it, it came still during that new time. Now I feel like we've kind of slipped into this episodic type of way where we're where I, I think it's all for the greater good of the universe, the cinematic universe, the 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 whole entire story instead of that individual movie. Which what? is why it's exciting that Christopher Nolan is doing different stuff too i mean he did his superhero thing and now he's doing dunkirk and he did interstellar and he's 
he's going to take, you know, whatever he wants to do with it into a different direction, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that other franchises don't borrow the shared universe type situation because Marvel's doing it. Now DC's mm-hmm. doing it with we're gonna somewhat success. We're going to see Godzilla and... Godzilla and King Kong are a connected universe. Universal's doing their classic movie monsters, you right. know, with the new mummy that came out. So they'll be doing like a new... I mean, Star Wars really does it, I mean, too. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't really get We're, we're moving into an age where movies are... Right. Pre-existing... Our cinematic IP universes. IP is yeah. important. And I mean, even yeah. Dunkirk has that, too. You have a big battle he you know he didn't make it up in his own mind no you gotta yeah you can go and get uh the information well I mean, we were even talking about this the other day i read that they're even talking about doing a james bond cinematic universe no <laughs> I, I don't think that would work i don't think we should, there's no need to no, it's already not. kind of a cinematic universe uh, yeah yeah you know like they they kind of build off of one another in a weird way at least the new movies do i mean the new movies literally but that's for another. Time. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. We never, never did. That's kind of my fault. Round table. Well, well there's topic. still time to do. Come one. in my my white suit, my white suit from Goldfinger, my white suit with my little Goldfinger. Yeah, <laughs> one of the better James Bond songs, in my opinion. Oh, last thing I do want to say about Dark Knight Rises. Obviously, interesting movie. I there was an interesting stat on it. I can't remember. It was about the amount of time he was in the suit, like. It ended not up, very much. It, 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 it seemed that way, but it was like a longer runtime, and he was still in it the same amount as other movies, but they had shorter run times. Like, it was too like long. It was something <laughs> well, like that. He had that <laughs> huge chunk of long. time where he was just where he was trapped in that pit. Yeah, trapped in the pit. Um, yeah. But still, it's still cool. One like, of my yeah. favorite scenes of all time is when he's fighting Bane on the steps, and you get Hans Zimmer's drums in that cue perfectly up with... Bane's punches yeah. that are missing because he's just flailing at that point because Batman's starting to get him. And it's still like one of my favorite that up with the with the magic trick scene with the Joker in the yeah. in the second movie and the I'm Batman, the first time you actually see him as Batman, Batman Batman begins. Those are my three favorite moments in, in all three movies. With mine in Rises is when they recreate the iconic scene from the comic books where Bane picks Batman up and just with no score behind it. Yeah, that was awesome. He just picks him up and breaks his back. Right. The yeah. problem. The problem with that movie is not the set pieces and the action sequences, in my opinion. Unless you think there's just too many. It was just again. It. it I mean, we can kind of go back to what we were just saying, but in terms of shared universe and trying to connect story and all that, that's kind of where it happens is, okay, let's bring in Catwoman, let's bring in Bane, let's think about Ra's al Ghul again and bring in all... It was just too yeah. much. It was too much. We did have the Nolan twist, I forgot to mention, in Batman Begins when Liam Ra's Neeson was revealed yeah. to be... Which I Ra's thought Liam Neeson did a wonderful job oh, as Ra's al Ghul. Liam Neeson's so good. <laughs> Love He's Neeson. good in everything. No negative words for Liam Neeson. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Will come well, he has, <laughs> well, he has a particular set of skills. <laughs> I actually wanted him... Oh, do you remember? You told me what at one point in time they were... There was rumors of him in the Arrowverse. Oh, that would have been <laughs> that sick. would have been awesome. Yeah. If there was a rumor. Role. They're oh, like, man. oh, we might try and get Liam, Liam Neeson to be Rosalind's role as Rosalind. Awesome. That would have been. Oh my god, that would have made that, that season almost of Arrow. made me watch this show again. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made that scene that season of Arrow way better than it oh, was. Oh, absolutely. Before we continue this fantastic roundtable, I have to tell you about a brand new sponsor to the Derek Diamond Experience, Loot Crate. 
Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. I've been a Loot Crate subscriber for years. I love it. They offer all kinds of cool, nerd, and geeky content, whether it be Batman mugs, Ninja Turtles t-shirts. They even have chopsticks. We recently got a Nightmare on Elm Street chopsticks a few months ago. So they have all kinds of cool stuff to use, not just you know for food, for kitchenware, but display stuff as well. They have exclusive pops every now and then, so if you're into collecting the pop figures, they have those. Loot Crate is awesome. If you're a nerd or a geek, Loot Crate is a must. And to save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's trylootcrate.com slash nerdcave to save 10% on any new subscription. And don't forget to enter the promo code BRIDGE10. Uh, Prestige came out in 2006. Recently rewatched that for the first time in years. Recently we rewatched it the other day on a plane. Nice. Interesting choice on a plane. Yeah. I honestly Escape think... artist. <laughs> one of my top three to top five Nolan movies. It was really, really good. It's very high for me. It had such a good cast. You had Christian Bale. You had the greatest American actor of all time, <laughs> Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Michael Caine. <laughs> I thought it was funny that he didn't... He was like the only guy in that movie not to play a British character. And I'm like, here he is as Australian. Like... Hugh, man, what do you have to do just to just to not have to put on an accent for once? You know, I guess no one would buy an Australian magician. <laughs> That's a ridiculous notion. Yeah. <laughs> um, Australians don't know magic. Don't know Australia. Please don't tune out now. No, you guys do wonderful. Magic. Oh, we just lost no, the Australian. I'm going. I'm putting on Crocodile Dundee right now. I promise. And, uh, but no, but no, it had it had one of the best casts I think of any Nolan movie. It had. Those actors that I mentioned had Scarlett Johansson, David mm. Bowie, yep. which he had an awesome. Who was awesome. I had to look yeah. it up because I'm like, I think that's David Bowie. I'm like, <laughs> but is that David? Like, is that David it doesn't Bowie? look like him with the mustache. No. But then, when no. as soon as you hear him talk, you're like, yeah, I think that's David Bowie, and of yeah. course it is. To me, is that is Prestige? Is the twist in the Prestige better than the twist in? I would think that your next best runner-up is. Oh, I don't know. I forgot about Inception for a second. Uh, Memento. <laughs> I get. I, I think uh, twist yeah, wise. I think twist wise. Prestige now, is the best twist. I'm gonna drop a bomb. I didn't. I mean, Prestige was good, but it's not high up on my list. Interesting. Yeah. I just think you guys I'm with continue Derek, talking. You guys I, I, I mean, I agree later. with Derek. I think that the. I think what was cool about it is that, it, <laughs> Christopher Nolan's thing is sleight of hand, and it was a movie about two magicians, two magicians, excuse me, trying to one up each other, and that to me was really cool. I, don't, I mean, yeah. that that to me was like Christopher Nolan being like, this is my master class on sleight of hand in movie making and I'm going to yeah. do it about two magicians, so get at me. Yeah. <laughs> I just, and the cast was great and I think the twist was really well deserved mm-hmm. and I think that it was, I mean, you, it's one that you want to immediately watch over again. Yeah. Very rewatchable. Um, it's one of my, I don't know. I think it's top three for me. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's, it's really, really good. It was one of those movies that I actually really enjoyed reading like the behind the scenes stuff behind mm-hmm. it as well. Cause you know, David Bowie didn't want to play that role, but Christopher Nolan actually flew to his house and talk with him and said, you know, I had you specifically for this role in mind. I can't see anybody else doing it. They talked for hours and, <sighs> he got Bowie to change his mind. 
That's interesting. And Christopher yeah. Nolan, I, I read this the other day. Christopher Nolan like didn't know how famous Harry Styles was before he cast him. Yeah, I him. thought that was yeah. that, awesome. So I feel like this is the opposite where he's like, I got to have David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is going to be too <laughs> cool. And <laughs> No, David Bowie was was really good. Um, Andy Serkis was in mm-hmm. it too. He played uh, Bowie's assistant. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the... the he like, wasn't yeah. wearing mocap dots. That's surprisingly. Really, really uh, yeah, he was almost. Know, he was a real I'm, human. Yeah. He was almost unrecognizable because yeah, he wasn't was, CG. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, Gollum? No, wait, Caesar? No, wait, Kong? No, no, no. And it's kind of off-putting <laughs> seeing him in the in the Black Panther trailer. Is a little like, who is that? Yeah. Oh my god, it's Gollum. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> oh yeah, you're the, man. you're the guy with all the finally, dots all over you. Finally got out of the volcano. I see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, there was another cool story. Oh, one of the like the stage magicians actually taught Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale like sleight of hand tricks, which was really cool. Uh, yeah, all that stuff is so believable, and the and getting to see the background of the trick um, that's cool. You know, everyone in the whole world that goes to see a magician wants to know how yeah. a magician does their tricks yeah. and you yeah. get to see a whole movie about it and the these rivaling I mean I don't know I just I think that he captured a lot of he captured what he does well super well in the prestige yeah. which is why it's high up for me cuz it's I I think it's just Christopher Nolan doing what he does yeah. best yeah see for me it uh, the only I the only reason why I didn't really rate it that high is I didn't get invested in the story as much you know, I, I felt like it dragged, it jumped a lot. I think this was his most heavy instance of jumping besides Memento, obviously. It uh, does span a lot. In, you, you know, yeah, where time. where actually I, I did struggle to keep up with it. And maybe it was because I was on a plane and I couldn't, you know, it was tougher to hear and, no, and, it's, and things it's, like that. Like I need re-watch to it. really, really focus on it. But, um, you know, it, it just, that, that was my real issue. I thought Christian Bale... Michael Caine and Hugh Jackman did, and Scarlett Johansson. They they all did a great job at it. Um, obviously, I was a little confused by it. You know, especially yeah. when it took a more sci-fi tone. Actually, I had to go yeah, look it that's, up. I, even though Dave, even though I love the David Bowie cameo, that to me is probably the worst part about the movie. It, yeah, I don't think it, it needed it. it. Flips yeah. sci-fi. It was a little out there. For you know? that time period and what the movie's supposed yeah, to be. I did, yeah, I just didn't. I don't know. It was. I guess it's interesting still in hindsight, but I don't think. I don't think that was necessary for it to be a great movie. Still, yeah, I think it's underrated. Yeah, I think it's underrated. I think it kind of it falls in like the Batman Begins. Yes, place and that's that, that's where I would kind of. I mean, I like it more than that in terms of my favorites, yeah. but in terms of people, don't give it the credit that it it probably deserves. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. still I think very well. It was very entertaining. It was, you know, obviously the rivalry going back and forth was was great. Seeing them interfere I, in each other's tricks was I awesome. I got oh, lost cool. a little bit in the journal writing, you know, because they each were reading each other's journals. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it kind of got in the in the words of uh, Inception. We got layered in there where it's like, <laughs> okay, uh, Christian Bale, twin, is reading Hugh Jackman's diary while... Hugh Jackman is reading Christian Bale's other twins' diary on how he does it. But, it. but is it the Hugh Jackman clone? Oh, God, <laughs> right. who is it? Yeah, now we have clones. Now we have multiple cats. There's top hats everywhere. You know, so. so. The end. The end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Hugh Jackman floating in a tank because he'd been putting tanks under there for all of his shows to try and catch Christian Bale down there. 
the end. You know? I got you. Yeah, I still liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, understand I, had, point, I had fun, but I got the end. I was just like, okay, hold on. <laughs> yeah. I in a, in a, I know this is bad because everyone will disagree. I actually understood Interstellar a little bit more. That's not when possible. we got to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Inception. The thing you've ever said. <laughs> yeah. All right, next is Inception. Came out in 2010. I actually didn't see this movie until like two or three years ago. You didn't see it in theaters, Mm-mm. dude. This is I, I was man. I, I'm for this really movie. glad I saw it in theaters. Me too. Bomb. <laughs> is this the first instance of Hans? Beating the crap out I, of a... I think so. Yeah, because this was... Yeah, that was before Dark Knight Rises. Because the... What, what would you call that instrument? The palm. <laughs> I call it I the, have no idea. I don't, I don't know either. I'm but assuming it, it's didn't just we, some, didn't like, we just, strings Didn't we horns. just keep it around? Um, no, this was this is a different group. I'm sorry. If this was like my college friends and I. We'd pull up the soundboard on our laptops and like someone would say something and then it'd just be like, Boom! <laughs> Like, well, we just do it in the middle of random conversations. It was well, a- and if you guys remember, I, I don't know if you have any South Park fans, but South Park did an Inception parody oh, in God. which one of the scientists, as he was explaining the Inception, would be in the background going bum bum ba ba bum bum ba 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 ba. So whenever the guy would start explaining it to somebody, there'd be the assistant in the background just going bum 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 ba bum 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 bum. And I'm like, it's such, but it's cool to like. You know, mash up those things. Inception was a That's wild so movie, and uh, this and again had another fantastic cast. Yeah. Had Leo, had Tom Hardy, Leo, Leo. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, <laughs> yeah, Tom Hardy, <laughs> maskless Tom Hardy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ladies, you're welcome. Are we? A quick question: Are we? I don't want to uh, torpedo Dunkirk style. Um, the end. Am I allowed to say that this is? I'm. I'm just doing it. Is am I allowed to say this is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie? Because I think. Yeah. yeah I think. Yeah. I think this is it. Well, I, I think some of it is regarded as literally. Well, now that Dunkirk's out there, and Dunkirk still has yet to been weighed. Right. You know. True. But it, I think in the Christopher Nolan, I think there's a little bit of consensus that this could be his best film. It was really, yeah. really well received when it initially came out, and I hated that I missed it in theaters. I just never got around to seeing it. I ride pretty hard for Inception. I I just think that first of all, the concept is similar to. I mean, Memento has a great concept. The Prestige, I think, has an awesome concept as well to it. Um, it's just so next level and interesting, and you could watch it. And like when I watched it again the other day, I was like. I almost convinced myself that he's actually dreaming for like two thirds of the movie yeah. and I have no idea what's real or not real and I still don't. And I think that's okay. It's cool. And I think Leonardo DiCaprio is plays a really good manic, psychotic, I'm not sure if he's reliable mm-hmm. character. Uh it's it definitely rivals like your most fun cast maybe not your yeah. best cast like prestige probably has the best cast mm. but in terms of the fun that like uh, like tom hardy chemistry. and joseph gordon levitt have <laughs> just like tom hardy being his older brother and just yeah. like messing with him and 
Um, I forget what Saito's, the actor that plays Saito is, but I think he's great. He pops up um, in quite a bit of stuff. Yeah, he's he's really cool in it. And I I just, yeah, I... I ride, Ken Watanabe. Yes, right. Yeah. And he was, he was, in Batman Begins, he was... Ra's al Ghul. Oh right, was, he was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, until it was revealed, it was Liam Neeson. Should've, I should have remembered that he was another Christopher Nolan since he has it. Yes. Oh, phone, we see Michael Caine again. His phone only has yeah. twelve numbers, and yeah, <laughs> and so you can only call certain people over and over again. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think that Inception, in terms of idea, in terms of fleshing out the idea, in terms of the cast and how much fun it is, and how it is both a psychological thriller and also a blockbuster. Like I, that's that to me. It's essentially to me if you combine Memento and you combine like The Dark Knight, and yeah. and you said let's do that movie, and that's what I think that is, and that's I think that's why it's my favorite. Well, and I th- I think there was a couple things. Obviously, everyone gets hung up with the last scene. Yeah, you know the the top spinning on the table, and I think in a way you almost at least in my perception of the film, you know, my opinion of the film is that it doesn't matter. Right. Like, it doesn't matter that he's spinning the... T- because he's... Whether he's in dreaming or not dreaming... He's happy. He's where he wants to be. Yeah. You know? He's made it and his reality. It's no like... What. Yeah, it, it, he doesn't care anymore. You know? And it, it is definitely... If you try... And I think that's that's where you can get in problems with the movie is if you try to over get into it and over try and figure it out rather than just letting it happen because you can look at the movie from multiple right. you can watch it one way one night with the preconceived notion of this and you can watch it again the next night with a different notion and the movie will change it's almost like a choose your own adventure and I think style. that's why I like it I think that you can look at it in a more simple fashion you can look at it in a more complicated fashion and the idea that the thematic idea that we kind of choose and create our own reality in perspective and how important that is probably is my favorite Christopher Nolan theme. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the most interesting theme that mm. he that he has. Uh, I mean, I think in I think you see in Prestige and Memento and The Dark Knight this idea of purpose and what's a man's purpose and what's uh success and and this is kind of this is a little different, and I think that's part of the reason why I like it, is that the theme isn't just um, revenge, and the theme isn't just uh, I have to be good at this, yeah. or I have to have meaning for my life in some way. Yeah. It's more it's more meaning in terms of I that what what is reality, what is our perspective, what matters, what doesn't matter, and, and it was probably... The one of the few movies that I've walked out of a movie theater. Speaking of the having that movie theater experience, walked out of a movie theater and been like, "What the? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I am not sure if I am a human or not." And that's yeah. kind of cool. That's a cool yeah. feel. I, mean, I don't remember. I don't remember any other movie. Very few other movies have I walked out of and had that visceral reaction to it. And well, honestly, Dunkirk is kind of like that for me too, in a different way. But very and cool. I think I think Christopher Nolan does a great job, and even going dialing back to the Prestige, I think he does a great job of taking sci-fi and making it as realistic as possible, like yeah, like as personal just, as possible. Oh yeah, it's Inception, dude. It's Google it. It's right, you yeah. call one eight hundred Dream now, and you get you know these guys out in Cali. That do this stuff, you know. It's it's it seemed like just such a oh nonchalant. Yeah, it's a part of our world. Right. Like, yeah. 
Well, it was just true. such a unique, true. very true. Yeah. It was such a unique concept as far as story goes that mm-hmm. I couldn't remember ever seeing before. You know, oh, you just you want something, just go in somebody's dreams and take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, it just combines a lot of it combines the blockbuster, the psychological thriller, the fact that the story is so unique and interesting. Classic That's, heist movie. Too. It's, yeah, it's pra- it's a classic heist movie, but with maybe higher state. I mean, throw George Clooney and Matt Damon and in there, love, we would have been yeah. rocking. And I love, I love. A classic caper. (laughs) (laughs) I thought the cool thing was, and you touched on it, was the ending. The fact that, you know, could he have been dreaming? Sure. Was he? We don't know. But I like movies that leave it kind of open to interpretation. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. maybe He's good at that. Yeah. He's very good at that. That that is very true. (laughs) But I just think it's cool to have, you know that point of view where you can look at things from your own perspective and Mm -hmm. it's not all just laid right out there for you. I I think it takes, you know, really good storytelling. Absolutely. So I guess that's it, right? Yeah. I think we're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Suck. All right. So don't make me go get the book. (laughs) So you've waited like three years for, for your opportunity for this. I have waited three years. Interstellar 2014. One of my favorite Christopher Nolan movies. Not only was it awe-inspiring, and it does have its faults. I will not. I will not try to cover its faults <laughs> that it has. But at the same time, in the way that Dunkirk was very intimate yet grandiose, this was just huge. You know, like. It was huge, yeah. <laughs> to quote our, but president also of the intimate. I mean, but also it comes down to like Very it's intimate. like a family drama, like, not yeah. family drama, but a family story. And and there's parts in the movie that I think are some of Christopher Nolan's best. And then I think there's pitfalls that he normally always falls in. You know, yeah. I'm I'm not going to deny that there's there's Confusion. thematic. <laughs> well, no, because I mean. <laughs> Is is Inception confusing? No, I'm I'm saying yes. I'm saying there's a normal pitfalls. I think where he fell into pitfalls was thematic pitfalls. Well, the fact uh, that like the world is saved because of love is kind of a it's kind of a tough. I was thinking more of like the dealing with man's, you know, evil. You know, bringing evil. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. That one I felt was kind of telegraphed in there. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there's things about that film that go way beyond just the movie. Like, for instance, the people who did the CG of it, they built the black hole off of data that these scientists have been collecting. And for the first time ever, they put it together in a CG model and they showed what a black hole looks looks like. Yeah. And it won a science, you know, it was, it was published in a science Yeah, I remember journal. you telling me that story. Because it was so groundbreaking because we can't see those things you know from where we are on on our planet yeah and to get the sense of how small we are in such a very big universe and to expand your thinking beyond i i love the theme of you got to expand your mind you know like Mm -hmm. to under to understand interstellar you have to expand what you know you have to let go of the notion that we are the center of the universe, we know everything, and you've got to sit there and say, you know what, there is a whole entire universe out there, 
with its own set of challenges, with its own set of laws, and we've only barely scratched the surface. We're very small in the sea of everything, you know? And I think that's what he did, it, and he did it through the CG in it. I think one of my favorite scenes was the little spacecraft endurance floating by Saturn, yeah. you know, in this just huge and colossal planet. And here's this just little tiny light that's just flickering as it's going by. You know, it really brings that sense of you know, smallness. However, we mm-hmm. use our ingenuity, ingenuity, ingenuity to kind of overcome these things, you know, to try to keep us surviving. And I would say this. It's not like I hate it. It's just not one of my, I just didn't like it that much. I just, it left me feeling kind of, if there's one problem I think with, Christopher Nolan movies too is sometimes they can leave you feeling a little empty, yeah, a little emotionally empty. I, I think you feel that way at the end of Memento, even though it's like really cool and a twist, and you're just like, man, that's all this like that's all this is kind of thing. And yeah. Prestige is kind of similar in that way too, where it, it you kind of feel a little empty and and not as much Inception. Some of the some of the Batman movies, I think you leave yeah. feeling that way, and then. Um, Interstellar, I felt I felt that way a little bit too. I I will still ride for the scene where Anne Hathaway is about to get taken down by that the tidal wave on the planet. Oh my god! That that scene is really cool and yeah. awesome. And there's still some again in terms of set pieces and ac- not action, but like in terms of some of the um, cinematography and the wonder of it. Totally down for it. I it's more the story that just doesn't. It just didn't. I don't know. It just it like I felt like it swung for the fences, and it just didn't didn't do it. I will say, it's ambitious. It was there ambitious. Is, <laughs> there is my favorite scene in that film, and probably my favorite scene in all of Christopher Nolan's film. And I will say, it was the only scene I think in all of these movies that, like, literally emotionally, I think he connected the dots. Because a lot of people criticize him for missing out on the emotion. No, totally. You know, having the cinematography down, having the look down, but missing the emotion. And I think that film, even though it was mostly emotionalist, as you progress, had the emotional moment, I think, out of all these, except for maybe in Dunkirk, um, is when they get off of that, the tidal wave planet, and he sits down at the computer. And then you are with him as he sifts through years of missed things. Yeah, and, no, and, and you're like, and sit there. And I like I, that part of the movie. I had yes. no, you know, you sit here and you're like, here this dad is. And, and you've, they've built him very much to show that he's a very caring father. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, with his time on Earth. And you sit there and you can't help but just to feel awful. Yeah. As he just saw 20 years of his kids' lives flash right by in just a matter of hours. And that then bringing back to the realism of that. That's not sci-fi. That's real. That's that's what happens. Like, we have to understand that that's reality. You know, there there is no sci-fi in that. You go next to an uh, um, something that massive in our universe, that happens. Time slows. Time speeds up. Things like that. I think you have to understand those those things and once you understand those things then you start seeing the beauty in the film yeah <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I think you gotta understand I some no, of no, no i i i think i'm with you i just i'm impressed with how much you obviously like the movie 
Oh yeah, well, it, he saw it seven times in the theater. That he saw is it seven crazy times. Crazy yes. to me. That I have, I've crazy. never. I haven't even seen a Star Wars Three movie, hour movie in a theater that many times. <laughs> well, I I just kept taking people to go see it. You know, because it was <laughs> we, one. We went opening night. We went opening night, and then I went with you and your brother, and then you went what with Heather? I went with Heather again. Yeah, I went with. Um, you start taking people. Around I went the by myself one one day, mm-hmm. um, and then I went again a couple times in Tallahassee on the Challenger Learning Center IMAX, which is one yeah. of the largest IMAX right, screens, cool. in uh, on the east East Coast. I feel like, from a visual standpoint, maybe besides Dunkirk, which they're different visuals, I feel like this was visually his best movie, just on the scale of it. I mean, you go to virtually an, an unknown part of the universe and dealing with with science and these things that people have theorized about and studied about and seeing you know oh what happens in the inside of a black hole and then he's behind a bookcase <laughs> I, I can I, explain it for you no no <laughs> still haven't got around to listening to neil degrasse tyson's book yet. <laughs> I, it's good it's good it's good but i i it's not my favorite Nolan movie, but I do like it. Like it's, mm-hmm. I would put it probably right below Prestige, in my opinion. I did like Matthew McConaughey quite a bit. I I will say Kip Thorne, who's a f- astrophysicist from Caltech or whatever, he wrote the book, and I think I actually gave you the book, Derek, mm-hmm. of the science behind Interstellar, yeah. where it talks about a lot of the stuff that you see in the movie, and it's very digestible. It's very easy. I recommend anybody reading that just because. What it does is it doesn't really explain the movie. You know, it, it, it connects the dots. It helps you process it a little bit better. Yeah. But what it does is it gets you that beginning part of understanding our universe as a whole. Yeah. And then when you when you start looking at the movie, you go back and you look at it and you're like, okay, you know, there these things that are happening, you know, it it's 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 cold, it's clinical, it's science. Yeah. You know, like that there there's no emotion in the film. Like I said, outside of my one favorite scene, which is him sitting there crying that was then used for the Star Wars trailer. Which was amazing, by the yeah. way. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, <laughs> That's so, a famous scene. Yeah. I, I'll show you after we're okay. finished. But no, it, it, they basically took uh, that scene with Matthew McConaughey watching his kids, and they replaced his kids' footage with the Force Awakens trailer. <laughs> and then at the end, you know, when it's Han and Chewie, and it says, Chewie, we're home, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah, That's awesome. but uh, you know, so you it, it, it is that I think there's also really like I like just the behind the scenes, and I think that's probably why I like the film so much. But like, for instance, the the score for it, which I think was incredible. Yes, loud, very loud. Dum dum. But that organ was like an organ from a chapel that was from the era of the the science exploration you know of like newton and all that so it's like just yeah. all the connections that it has and, and everything just to me adds to the film's mystique even though in a vacuum of space <laughs> well and i it, think it one probably th- doesn't stand up against some of his others one of the other things that kind of drew me to that movie was actually the plot of it you know yeah. with us having to go outside of earth to find somewhere to live or really yeah, i mean it really makes you think this will probably happen. Will it happen yeah. during our lifetime? We don't know, but it's one of those movies that really makes you think, or at least that's how I feel whenever I watch movies like that. Like Things that aren't necessarily going to happen, but have the possibility of happening. 
maybe maybe some of my unhappiness comes from the fact that I, I think I was just disappointed that it wasn't it didn't live up and you know sometimes you give you put too much Spectre. You just put too much onto it. You put too much onto it and <laughs> James Bond. You put too much onto it. And we saw the trailer for the first time together and I like was I said, take my money. Just take my money. I'm so pumped. I love Christopher Nolan and now you're gonna put him in space? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> and it just didn't it didn't live up to it for me and that's why. Yeah. Yeah. And Tar- Tars is one of my favorite Christopher Nolan movie characters. God, the docking scene. Come on. The score to that is the so The docking so scene, good. No Time for Caution. Oh, I'm going to watch it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing that for the first time, and when he says, we're docking, I'm like, no way. Like, no. I'm like, holy shit, he is. <laughs> <laughs> then he, he matches the spinning pattern, and I'm like, holy shit, he's going to do it. <laughs> Huh, he did you didn't it. like I it, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God. Where? Okay, so. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. slips back on his amazing Spider-Man 2 shirt. <laughs> okay, well, I, well, then, if we're pretty close, I'm assuming to being, yeah, to being he, finished. Yeah, after Interstellar, I mean, he did a documentary oh, okay. that I have not seen, but after that was, was Dunkirk. Can, can we talk very briefly about Hans? Yeah, because we, we were actually, I called you after Dunkirk. And I said that Hans and Nolan are this generation's George Lucas and John Williams because they are director and composer that do great things separately, but when they're together, there's just something about the chemistry that just works. I can't explain it, but it just works. And I can't see anybody else composing Nolan movies besides Hans. What's your favorite combo? Collaboration, I should say, between director, but between Luke. between um, not not ever between Hans and oh, and which are like oh, favorite movie score. Oh. <laughs> it's tough. I think I know mine, but yeah, I, I've got. Can, oh, go ahead. I I think well, I, and again, I feel like I'm biased based on the fact that I already said that's my favorite movie, but I think that uh, I think it works best with Inception. There's uh, so much of that movie comes down to like the timing of things and the making speaking of different timelines and different uh speeds of things going on like the way that they use the score to tell you what's going slowly what's moving faster what's at the fastest yeah you know, all that i just thought was other than the you know i mean including the <laughs> i can't do it very well <laughs> such a little baby voice it's impossible <laughs> for me but i yeah I, I would go with inception but at the, i need to go back and do like another watch of dunkirk because i do feel like the music was like the second leading role in yeah. the movie <laughs> well you know listening to a little because we listen a little to the 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 Dunkirk, OST you yeah. know today we we listened to it like submarine was was one and like mm-hmm. how they added in the stopwatch <laughs> Joey's already square me over the here he already knows me, exactly yeah. what scene it's from you know and he's stuck under the water in the ship oh, hole God, I'm very claustrophobic I mean that, that's <laughs> a perfect example yeah. of how music True. can just evoke an emotional response like that but when that when that gets to the climax like you even hear like you know, it's that kind of that like that submarine sound that like the womp, womp. Like they added that into it. Like it was just such a good connection. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite, obviously, would be Interstellar, um, just because 
you know, up to that point, we got a lot of strings. Um, you know, if we want to throw in Man of Steel, you got some drums. You know, you you, you know, you got a lot and that's of. That's about all you have. You know, you got some. Yeah, you got some horns. But in Interstellar, you get you know, like a pipe organ. I, like I thought that was just different. You know, and um, it was very like I said, it was very epic. It was very you know you think of the pipe organ in these massive cathedrals and stuff like that. Um, but then I always default back to I think Batman has. One yeah, of the best scores, all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of them. Dark Knight is really up there for me. It's really close between that and Interstellar. Yeah, just mm-hmm. because I love not just the organ but the Interstellar theme with the piano, and it's yeah. just like really soft. It gives me goosebumps just yeah. playing it back in my head. He Hans is great. Yeah, well, and he's done a lot of other. I mean, yeah. I mean, you go into the Pirates of the Caribbean. I didn't know he did Lion King. I found that out today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he <laughs> like did the score for the Lion Disney King. movie. I'm yeah. like, God, that just makes it my more my favorite. <laughs> Hopefully they bring him back for yeah. the live action. Oh, that'd be cool. So I, Gladiator 2 yeah. that he did. And, um, yeah, he, he, like literally, you start running through the <laughs> yeah, list. Yeah, right. There's and, a, it's a lot of solid. There, there's flicks. a lot of solid. If, if I had to rank there. composers, like John Williams will always be number one for me, but right under is Hans. Yeah. Hans then, is so good. And then the million people you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the other guys you're googling, you're like, yeah, oh. <laughs> right. You know, so so favorite Nolan movie. Uh, you, okay, you said yeah, Inception. I, Inception is mine. I need to. I need you to give me like another year. Um, we haven't had time. To, I don't I, think Dunkirk has is. I haven't digested. It I yet. haven't yeah. digested enough yet either. But I'm telling you right now, Dunkirk's gonna be high. Yeah. It's gonna be. It might be. Top three, it might be top two for me. I might put it ahead of everything else other than Inception, and and even I need like another watch to to tell you if I might even put. I just I really I just can't imagine. I I can't remember having another experience like that in the theater, and I can, I can. There's another movie that I compare it to. Uh, it's Argo. Interesting. Yeah, like if you ever went and saw Argo, Argo was an uncomfortable movie. I didn't see it, it in theaters, it, but whenever I it watched built it, built the same way yeah. in the theater, where it's like it just you're crawling in your skin because you're like, ah, you have this you this know? feeling like, of doom in the yeah, back of your mind. You know, like this can go sideways at any moment. And, and impressively, that's what I compare it to impressively with two movies where you, in theory, know what's going to what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, and I think that's the brilliance behind it all. But yeah, I, I today I was thinking about it. I was trying to explain it to uh, somebody, and I was like, "Yeah, have you ever seen Argo? It's like, it's like that." Uh, yeah, I, I just want to walk around. Like, I, ju- I watch it. You know? I just I almost. Stuff. I I just almost wonder if it needs to be a different. I don't know what he's gonna do next. I don't know what's <laughs> coming after this. If now he's gonna say, you know what, I want to take on less movies with you know twists and psychological and more. Yeah, War what, three, movies with three the, years to wait. Whatever it is, I, I don't know. But to me, they're almost it's almost separate categories. But Dunkirk, I just it was just such a visceral experience. It was gorgeous. It was intense. It's it's up there for me. It's definitely up there. Okay, <laughs> so I at the top of my list, I've got two films that I jostle back and forth for that top spot. One being The Dark Knight. I just think... Yeah. I think it's really... It's the... Yeah. 
not to quote the Dark Knight, but it's the, he was the best of them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he was the best of us. You know, uh, and then obviously Interstellar, which is like my 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 fan choice. You know, right? <laughs> my fan choice. I love Interstellar. It's the movie I've we deserve, but not the one we need. You can <laughs> you can ask you can ask my wife. I, like I come home, I'm like, hey. Do you want to watch Interstellar? She's like, no. Like, <laughs> okay, but we're going to watch Interstellar. And she's like, w- let's watch anything. Like, literally put on anything else but Interstellar. It's like, okay, so I'm hearing Interstellar. <laughs> but like, you said Interstellar. <laughs> yeah, so. you said Interstellar. So, That's right. Do you uh, want to watch gonna... the theatrical cut or the <laughs> director's cut? Yeah, you know, that's always an option. I remember I Luke. Luke had never seen Interstellar, and I was like... We're watching it. She's like, can't we watch, like, like let's watch Dr. No. Let's, she, like, started going through my Rolodex of, like, my favorite movies because she knows that Luke hadn't seen them, and she's like, just get them on any other movie but Interstellar. Like, hey, watch Twister. Watch, uh, you know, anything. And I'm like, no, we're watching Interstellar. Sat down. Three hours later, great experience. But, uh, yeah, so. Three hours later, felt like 12 years. <laughs> well, it's all relative, man. Time is a relative thing. Uh, but yeah, so those are those are my my two. But Inception, if I had to do a top three, would be Interstellar, uh, Dark Knight, and Inception, and then Batman Begins pops up there. And yeah, I'm, I'm if I had to pick a third too, I might. I don't. I really enjoyed Memento. I like really yeah. liked watching it. So that to me is right up there with Dark Knight. And I might I, go home and watch Dark Knight tonight, and I'll text you guys. And I'll let you yeah. know if it pops back into like the top two. Yeah. No, my only problem with Memento is I had to like write papers with it and stuff. So I, I kind of have this like connection right. where I'm just like, yeah. all right, it's it's there. I don't need to see it again. I watched it like two, three times in class, and like we stopped it and talked about. Right. It. So like I'm good on Memento, yeah. but uh, great film. Yeah. Mine's The Dark Knight. For reasons I explained earlier, it's not just a great Nolan movie. It's not just a great comic book movie, but it it's bigger than its genre. And to me, it's I'd put it in like my top ten all time favorite movies. Wow. Period. And it's I, I do want to do that one day. I, I don't know if you guys ever think, oh, this would be in my top ten like of all time, not just from a director or a genre, but just overall favorite movies. Well, the New York Times just did a top 25 of the century which i thought was really interesting so starting with 2000 up until now and i feel like looking at their list and thinking about mine just for fun that's hard enough so forever yeah. and ever would be <laughs> impossible well I think, they're, they're so objective i mean you, yeah. you have sentimental attachment you know things like that course, so that yeah. that can always i won't say skew but affect your ranking well i think that's what it is i think it's it's not your top movie i think it's your favorite movies yeah you know but we're such uh <laughs> impressive movie connoisseurs so you could I mean, only expect are. them to be i'm not from this guy. films <laughs> not from this guy i'm throwing twister up there because <laughs> i love that movie and that's it's a, a good movie i saw that movie like ridiculous like you think i saw interstellar a ton in the theater put me as like a seven-year-old or six-year-old on summer break that could go to a dollar movie yeah, I was going to see Twister. You were born in the 1950s or a <laughs> dollar movie? No, we had dollar movie, yeah. It was a dollar movie theater uh, in Tallahassee, yeah. And now a movie ticket's more expensive than a, a dinner date. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. No, Dark Knight would be my number one. Number two, I mean, I know we just saw it, but I really liked Dunkirk for... Hold up know, there. Yeah. yeah, Dunkirk would probably be two, and then uh, third would be Prestige. I just I really liked Prestige after watching it again. 
Yeah, it something. holds up. It really does hold up, and it's 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 super. I think you have to rewatch it, but I think it's more rewatchable than like say Memento, which ha- is very yeah. convoluted as well. But yeah. I think the rewatchability of something like The Prestige is yeah. is definitely higher. Yeah, I I I will have a closing thought on Dunkirk because I read an interesting article that one of the surviving members of Dunkirk watched the film. Really, you know, at the ripe ripe age of ninety two. Wow, you know, and. I read what his reaction was to it, and he was like, "That was it." Like I, like I, looking at it, he's like, "I, I all the just a flood of, of memories of my friends and even my friends that went on and later died in the war and stuff like that." You know that that. So to understand that, even from someone who experienced it, like he captured it, I think just gives more credit to. You know the realism totally. that was the film. I, yeah. I I was shocked when I read that article because I was I was sitting there and I was like, well, I wonder, you know, what it was like, and I was just happened to be scrolling through, and it was, you know, an article, ninety two year old, you know, guy who, who was a World War Two veteran who was on one of the the cruisers that went and picked up people, you know, picked up soldiers. He he saw it and was immediately, you know, just was like that was it, like. That's insane. That's what it looked like. That's what it felt like. That's what it was. And it put you there. I mean, yeah. it just it put you there in the most perfect way possible, I thought. I'll close out with this question. Would you say that Christopher Nolan is this generation's Spielberg? Ooh. I think... No. <laughs> I think... I don't... I don't think so. Okay, how about this? Yes, from the standpoint that there are a lot of copycats and there are a lot of people that want to do what he does and have tried and have failed. Um, I think in that regard, you can think of him as this generation Spielberg. And I also think it's almost too soon to tell. Because when, you know, when you think about it, his his movie archive of feature films is still it's still kind of s- not small i mean he's done obviously a lot of work since 2000 yeah um but it's still you do feel like his story's not necessarily finished yet so i think there's yeah. some, but in terms of spielberg inspired a generation of filmmakers and people tried to do what he did um to varying success i think I do think Christopher Nolan is that, and I, I especially yeah. think that in the in the regards of superhero movies and kind of the turn they've taken, and people have not been able to grasp what was great about The Dark Knight. They have tried, and they uh, Zack Snyder, but they have failed <laughs> honestly. And so yeah. I do think, though, I do think that that is maybe the that's their connection is that people want to be like them they are trying to be like them and and they've had varying degrees of success to be like them i don't know i think it's i just do think it's too early to kind of to compare them completely well i and i think to go off kind of off your point a little bit is to me christopher nolan has a directing style that is not typical to the mainstream directors that that are out there yes he makes the big blockbusters um, and he makes them rather, I mean, in a way, rather infrequently. Every, what, three years seems to be the spacing on these things, yeah. right? Um, 
but yeah, they're, two they're, to three they're, years. Th- they're thought provoking. And, and I read an article sure. where, where they talked to him about the process and how he comes up with, you know, how these things. And I just watched an interview with him about Dunkirk. He's been sitting on Dunkirk for like 20 years, you know, wanting to tell the story, but knew that he wasn't in the position to tell the story yet. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's like stuff where it's like I look at things and I look at, you know, I know this is a bad example, but, you know, I see that we have what the sixth iteration of Transformers out there. You know, we have the eighth iteration of Fast and the Furious. We have God knows how deep we are in Marvel stuff. And, you, you know, and, and you sit there and you look out there and you're like, okay, the, his movies never look like those movies. And I think that's why I always gravitate to him. Because he worries, you know, he, he takes the time. Like, I feel like he takes the time. He goes through the process. He makes sure all the stuff is good, mm-hmm. you know. And then he puts out, you know, a film. And if you look at his films, then they're not, even Interstellar, which is a lowly ranked film, they don't, they're not like complete misses. Like, no. like you know, like we saw with Batman vs Superman or, or stuff like that. And I think in a way, <laughs> I think Christopher Nolan dug the sinkhole under the dc universe yes you know yeah. I, I i you know what that's my opinion i we can talk about it when we talk about the dc universe have we done that yet we have not we're saving that yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll do that um maybe after justice League. yeah but but i think that's that's the problem is is you know when i see batman i'm sorry i don't think about Zack Snyder movies. I think about Batman. I want Batman to be Christian Bale. I want him to be Christian Bale. I want Michael Caine there. And I want it to be a realistic film. I don't want it to look like 300. I don't want it to look like Watchmen. I don't want it to look like... You know, I want it to look real. You know? And because that's what I've come to learn... To know from Batman. And so then you start spreading that to all the other DC things. And I feel like it's literally because... He made three really great Batman movies. You know, if we would have kickstarted this right after Batman and Robin, I probably would have a different opinion on it. But even, you know, like I said, that's that's my opinion on that. But I think it really, in a way, stunted DC's growth on it. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. I actually agree 100% with what you said. I think Spielberg, to me, is, like, he's my favorite director, not necessarily just because of what he's made but that he inspired people to do what he did Mm -hmm. and i feel like nolan is doing that with today's generation because he's doing stuff that's different he's not he's not made from like the traditional hollywood mold that is just going to do you know whatever they want to do he has his style his process and i they're his movies too. like that that's the thing is I, I mean, the prestige takes from source material. Well, that was a book that I think that they adapted. Inception was his, like, brother's... Yeah, it's yeah, normally so him and his Memento, brother yeah. will we'll team up. I mean, him and his brother, wrote, I think, wrote all the Batman movies. Yeah, they did. You know, so I I think, like you said, Derek, they're his movies. There's, yeah. there's no... All right, I'm you know, Ron think, Howard's directing the Han Solo movie, you know, and it's and I think that's off directors, and, and I think stuff. that's an admirable thing is that he yeah. does things his style, his story, the way he wants to do it, and I, I think that's awesome. And so, I, when it comes to current generation directors, that's why he's my number one. So hard to argue with, yeah. Well, anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here? Um. 
Just how much I love Derek Diamond. <laughs> yeah, I just want to end you on this. It'll, this will be cut out, right? <laughs> you can edit this How right much out. do we have to pay for these rights? <laughs> I'll, I'll skip it along for you, Derek. You just bankrupt the Derek Diamond experience. That, no, wouldn't, that wouldn't be hard. Hey, Derek, there's no time for caution. What are we doing? <laughs> We're docking. <laughs> Get back in your elevator, Chef. Gwen Stacy. <laughs> You notice how they didn't make that mistake twice on the new Spider-Man. <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> on that note, I will say <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> the whole movie just keeps going, Derek. <laughs> on that note, I will say thank you guys for joining me on the roundtable. I don't know what we're going to do next. We'll have to talk about that off air, but thank you. My thanks again to Adam and Joey for coming on the show to talk about Christopher Nolan movies. It's always great doing these roundtables. They've become my favorite part of the podcast. So I had mentioned that I wanted to give a bit of a State of the Union for this podcast. Uh, Since January, I had moved the show from Thursdays to Tuesdays because of some programming changes that we had here on the NerdCave Network. Well, there have been more changes. So as a result of that, I have decided to move the show back to Thursdays, which is effective immediately. Um, I've always preferred having the show on Thursdays, to be honest. I I always like, you know, having more time throughout the week to edit, uh, do interviews, and all that fun stuff. So um, starting now, the show will be on Thursdays from here on out. I know the show's moved dates a few times, but um, that will not be happening anymore. The show will stay on Thursdays, regardless of any type of show we might add or remove from the Nerd Cave Network. So uh, thank you all for continuing to support the show. And uh, I look forward to bringing you more awesome content. Uh, baseball season is almost over, so um, I'll have more time to dedicate to this show. I've already got a couple of awesome uh, roundtables and guests lined up for the next few weeks. So hopefully you guys will stay tuned to that. If you'd like to you know, leave a review, just go to iTunes. The show's available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. If you'd leave a five-star review, I'd very much appreciate it. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Twitter. My personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond. The show page is at D Diamond Podcast. You can search for the show on Facebook. And on Instagram, just search for D Diamond Podcast. And I believe that does it. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday. been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.
Are you looking for new original music? If so, you should check out my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are a local indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida, and they are very important to this podcast. And that's because they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is D-Rock, the official theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. You can also check out their music on Bandcamp. Just go to bandcamp.com and search for the Unicorn Wranglers, and you can hear Murder Mystery Night and 95 Flannel for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, free. You can also follow them on social media. Just search for them on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at uwranglers. And finally, be sure to visit their website, unicornwranglers.com.